Welcome, brothers and sisters. This is Common and Uncommon with your host, Julio, where we take on a variety of different topics and talk about the popular and unpopular perspective on said topic, from community to national and international. Our goal is not to push one or the other perspective, but to explore both points of view and just engage in fun but thought-provoking conversations. Once again, welcome. Welcome back, guys. This is the first out of three episodes into veganism. Uh, For this first episode, I'm going to go into the history, the present, and the future of veganism. So I'm going to take it back to the Greek era. All right. I'd like to talk about an individual. His name is Pythagoras. You might have heard of him in math class. He was a Greek philosopher who made important developments in mathematics, astronomy, and music theory. He was one of the first to propose, encourage, and practice a what would be known today as a vegetarian-based diet. But since the terms vegan or vegetarian weren't used during those times, they called it the Pythagorean diet. Uh, His reasoning behind this choice of diet was not so much like self-denial or refraining from, um, from eating meat for health reasons, but more about the treatment of animals, uh, believing that any being that experiences pain or suffering should not have it inflicted on them unnecessarily. Uh, he believed that if an animal does impose a threat or we as humans are not in dire need for survival, it would therefore be unjustifiable to kill that animal. He believed it was not necessary to, to inflict pain on animals in order for, for humans to enjoy a healthy and, and balanced diet. Um, and speaking of Greek philosophers, even uh, even Plato, another Greek philosopher, which I'm sure most of you guys have heard of as well, uh, believed that um, the more meat a society consumed, the more doctors it would require. Right. So which we we now know this to be true due to the high consumption of animal derived products we uh, we've been consuming over the past recent decades. We also have seen a lot of like diseases arise from this, like cardiovascular diseases, like um, diabetes, high cholesterol, heart related problems and so many more. So even though like Plato mentioned this as a theory thousands of years ago, we are now seeing and understand the the correlation of consuming animals and the health problem that comes uh, from it. You know, as as mentioned from organizations like the American Heart Association. I would like to share uh, two quotes uh, from both these individuals, and it goes as stated. Um, So the first one is, uh, by failing to show compassion and justice to animals, humans diminish themselves and their moral status. That was by Pythagoras. Uh, What I got out of that was that the the value of life is greater than of taste. The next quote, as it goes, is that the gods created certain type of uh, of beings to replenish our bodies they are the trees the plants and the seeds and that was from plato so we you know what i got out of that was that we don't need animals to replenish our bodies with the needed nutrients to to thrive in good health so that was a little bit about the greek era next i'd uh i'd like to talk about buddha and buddhism 
and the relationship it had with vegetarianism. Buddha, for those that don't know, was a religious leader and teacher who lived in ancient India. He practiced Dharma, which is a which is showing a compassionate state of mind. It's it's the idea of 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 leaving suffering behind in the past and attaining happiness in the present. Buddha believed that that everyone, not only humans, strived for happiness. He had the opinion that that the animal realm wanted to experience happiness and not the infliction of pain or torture. He practiced the uh, the grounded thought of showing universal sympathy and compassion for both the human race and the animal race, because it it was thought that one day a human could rebirth and reincarnate into the animal realm, and vice versa, an animal could rebirth or reincarnate as a human. So he he stayed away from consuming animals because he understood that in order to consume animals, they had to go through the through the process of slaughter, and at the process of this, they would experience not only death but suffer a lot of pain, injury, trauma, and terror. He he didn't want to do to the animals as he wouldn't want to be done to him if it was the other way around someday in the future or in the next life. Um, so the importance of life was more than a couple minutes of taste. Life life over taste, basically, right? He he thought he thought similarly as as Plato and and Pythagoras. All right, and um, and now I I'd like to transition over to a little more of a current era, not too long ago. Um, I mean, it it was still a couple hundred years ago, but still of importance to this topic for sure. More more recent than the Greeks. All right, uh, we have the uh, we have the indigenous peoples, also known as the first people of the North American continent. So. Due to the vast landmass that North America has, uh, there was estimates that that there was about seven to ten million people already living here before the Europeans came over. Um, spread it out into about six six hundred different nations. This is North America alone, not including South America or Mesoamerican nations. Seven to ten million people and about six hundred different na- indigenous nations. That's a lot of people. And um, anyways, and although they shared a lot in common due to the vast amount of trading they did, um, there was a lot of trading routes and trading systems in place in those times. They also had different customs and ways of living. And depending on the geographical area they they were located in, they used what was available to them, right? So, So you have to remember that that the cow, the chicken, the swine, and most of the current livestock that we have in the U.S. today was not here prior to the colonization of these lands. It was brought over here from Europe. So it's not, you know, so it's safe for one to assume that the indigenous ate mostly a vegetarian whole foods kind of diet. And I say vegetarian whole foods, not vegan, because they did have turkeys, buffalo, deer, and a variety of different birds that they they consumed, but these were not the primary intakes of of foods. They they were hunters, right? And, and um, they would they would trade a lot of different foods and plants, but they mostly lived off of the plants that they had in close range from from day to day, especially the common person. And in many indigenous societies, they actually believed in living as one with the animal kingdom. For example, in the Cherokee Nation. They have a legend in which it states that in the beginning of, 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 of times, all creation, both 
the humans and the animals lived together equally. There was no such thing as speciesism. Uh, for those that don't know, speciesism is where like one species believes it's in, it's superior to another, or a certain species is uh, inferior to to the other. Uh, there was no such thing as speciesism. But anyways, and the needs of all were met without the need of killing one or another. But there came a there there came a point where man started to become aggressive, and started to eat some of the animals, and as legend goes. The animals invented um, diseases to discourage the humans from consuming the animals. And according to this uh, Cherokee legend, the plants remained friendly. They actually offered themselves not only as food, but a way to combat the new diseases that were being formed. So that's a little information about the North American First Peoples. Um, then you have... Then you have the Mesoamerican nations as well that consumed a mostly plant-based type diet. For example, they mostly consumed a lot of like corn, maize, beans, legumes, fruits, vegetables like squash, tomatoes, avocados, and a variety of chilies. And even the Spanish and the pilgrims at the time, they were amazed at the mere fact that, that the people of these lands were living twice as long compared to the current lifespan of individuals in Europe at the time. Many natives believe that the, the the way one treats the most defenseless, the animals, was a reflection of how they would also treat the most vulnerable in a society like like women, children, the elderly, and just in general the minorities of said society. Now, not 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 uh, not everyone out of the millions of inhabitants that um, that lived here practiced this, but it was a general way for most of them. All right. So yeah, now I I want to turn I want to bring this into a more recent, you know, more recent times. But before I go into this more recent phase, I like to clarify something very quickly. And that is that veganism isn't just some new age trendy diet like vegetarianism is, right? It's it's a form of ideology. It's a social movement uh that not only includes certain eating habits, but the main objective of of this movement is to reduce as much as we possibly can the exploitation and cruel treatment of animals whether it be through our food choices like clothing or or um you know really any form of it right um i'm going to touch on the last 100 years of veganism slash vegetarianism um we we had the we had the foundation of the Vegetarian Federal Union in 1889. They even had an outpost stall at uh, at the 1893 Chicago World Fair. I like to mention a few historical figures that practiced veganism slash vegetarianism of that century. Um, I didn't list these in in any particular order, um, but anyways, there's um there's Nikola Tesla who who was a an inventor, electrical and mechanical engineer, and futurist, best known for his contributions to the design of the modern uh, alternating current electricity supply system. He's a really interesting individual. Um, I really recommend looking into him. But anyways, then then there's Albert Einstein. He also practiced a, a vegan diet, and um, and of course you guys know who uh, who he is, right? But yeah, he practices a vegetarian type, like vegan diet. And then we have Rosa Parks, a civil rights activist. Um, 
and then Carotta Scott King, the wife of Martin Luther King, which believed that the right to live uh, peacefully and without oppression should not only apply to humans, but to all sentient beings that experience pain or trauma. All right. And um, and in November of 1944, uh, there was an English carpenter. His name was uh, Donald Watson, who was part of the London Vegetarian Society for quite some time. Uh, he decided to separate from the group and declared that since vegetarians uh, still consumed eggs and dairy, he coined the term vegan to, to denote those that don't. And he moved on to form the foundation of a group called the Vegan Society. The London Vegetarian Society refused to support veganism because they claimed that it was an extreme and antisocial version of vegetarianism in which you know, not only don't you consume meat, but you don't consume anything or, or you don't purchase anything that that originates from, from an animal, a once living sentient being. So this is where the term vegan and veganism and the and the standpoint of of being more ethical and not just for health reasons, but more but more focused on mainly on the reduction of, of animal suffering was reintroduced, right? This this ideology started to pick up more and more again, but it, it would spread more globally going forward. So the number of people of, of this century that would start to practice and and, and participate a, a veganism lifestyle would only increase for years to come. Alright. Now I I um I like to bring it into more recent times. Um I'm going to go over some of the more recent growth and progress that the uh, vegan movement has contributed to, especially to combat the, the modern global issues we are experiencing today. Um, I just recently found out about reports that, that say that during the COVID-19 pandemic, the world experienced a spike in tofu cells. Uh, several attributed this spike to an interest in healthy, affordable proteins as the economy suffered during this pandemic. Now, consumers also may have um, been snatching up tofu in response to uh, meat supply disruptions, possibly swayed by, by a nationwide campaign by PETA that stands for People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. It's an organization. Um, they, uh, they proclaim that with with nationwide posters and billboards saying that you know saying that tofu never caused a pandemic try it today this campaign is making reference to the fact that that the covid-19 strain had originated from a wuhan market in china where where they have live animals for sale and it, and it's known for slaughtering them on site as well if if someone desired for consumption right um during these investigations from scientists uh they found a lot of traces of of the SARS COVID strains on many of the cages and cutting boards of of this market, right? Leading to the conclusion that that this was the place of the COVID pandemic origin. Now, due to this pandemic affecting millions worldwide, we have been seeing many laws and rules being passed to avoid to avoid another catastrophic pandemic from happening again. We, for example, we have we have Canada that just recently issued new food related rules that are that are more vegan forward. Also, we have the Chinese government 
that just passed recent regulations that that aim at reducing the intake of meat in half. Um, we also have the issue of climate change, all right, which for those that don't know, uh, the animal agriculture industry uh, produces methane and nit- nitrous oxide by a lot. Um, methane is mainly produced by by uh, enteric fermentation, which is produced in the digestive system of animals like cattle, sheep, and goats. It's a gas which has an effect on global warming 28 times higher than that of carbon dioxide, which carbon dioxide is produced mainly from uh, um, driving gas-powered vehicles. So with the food choices we as individuals take, they, they really do transform into meaningful impacts, especially if it turns into a majority instead of staying in a minority type of phase. All right. So currently, as the majority of the world still consumes animals and animal based products, it contributes to about 25 percent more to global warming. And this is about twice as much the pollution that gas fueled um, vehicles contribute to the to the high climate global warming we are currently seeing. Um, Many doctors have stated that people in so-called first world countries, especially, are, are consuming twice to triple the meat we are being recommended on a daily basis. So we really don't like all need to go necessarily go vegan or vegetarian, but just cutting down on your meat intake makes a huge difference if you want to make a difference in, in the climate, like uh, global warming we're seeing, right? Um, but as, as, as we have seen, the animal agriculture industry is, is really not sustainable short-term or even long-term. And, and the more people are being made aware of these systems in place, not working, the more it will weigh on their conscience to make personal day-to-day changes. And, um, and these changes are not only happening in the vegan sector, but we are also witnessing big fast food chains like Subway, KFC, Taco Bell, Burger King and many others that are offering are they're starting to offer um, vegan options on their menus, and it's mostly to tap into the vastly growing vegan like consumerism base, but but these changes and new additions just goes to show how wrong the general public has been when when they've said that um, that vegans will never make impacts. Clearly, this notion of veganism being just a fad and a waste of time or some kind of like lost cause or it's being disproven time and time again all right we are also seeing the increased supply of non-dairy plant-based milk alternatives being a growing option at supermarkets and this was something that that wasn't even an option as close as two decades ago right this is a direct result of supply and demand so the more that the more that people are demanding these different alternatives to animal products the more of a supply we will see and we are already seeing it and um and this is the change that the vegan social movement has contributed to the most obviously but as the awareness of the harsh and brutal exploitation of animals reaches more and more people the the number of people going vegetarian or vegan will only rise if you guys if if you if you ask most vegans they will tell you that they were not born or raised vegan, but as a result of this awareness, it has drastically changed their view on what's what's on their plates. All right, I I um 
I also want to point out that even though the majority of the world population still consumes animal products, whether it's due to the easy access or out of necessity, whatever the case might be, it's the awareness of how the animal agriculture truly works that has and will change many individual choices going forward as it has done to most current day vegans. Um, but anyways, I, I want to wrap up this episode with, with the conclusion that, that veganism is really making an impact that the general public thought it would never have. You know, if if any of you guys want to learn more about the vegan movement, I recommend visiting a, a website. It's called the theveganSociety.com. And I want to state that going full vegan, it's it's not easy. All right. Especially due to the drastic changes we have uh, have to make, uh, you know, with our day to day food choices we consume. Um, but it's not impossible. You know, I, I tried going, quote unquote, cold turkey, but it didn't work out for me that that uh, that easily. Right. So. So I, I took it, you know, what worked for me, everyone has different forms of discipline, but what worked for me and how I ended up going vegan is that I just took it step by step. I, I gave up, um, you know, I gave up things step by step, you know. Um, but, you know, I got there eventually. And if you guys are, are interested in, 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 in going more plant-based but having a hard time, just think about it like this. Whatever your next meal might be, just do it. Just, just you know, go ahead and go for it. Uh, but just take out the meat or animal products and replace them with a vegan-friendly product, right? And the current day that we live, right, we, we have these options to do so. If, you know, like at the supermarkets, they, they have these vegan options. So you can just replace it. It's, it's really not impossible. You know, if you guys, you know, if, if anything, just shoot me a message about any of your questions or comments you know, or comment down below, and I'll address them in, in the near future with future episodes. Um, and I want to leave off this podcast with one little message. Um, you know, people people change in, in their ways of thought and their ways of thinking. And with this change, it leads to the demand for bigger change. And this, and this leads to social reforms. This is seen throughout history time and time again, you know, um this is this is where all social movements it, it all starts and is rooted in awareness so it's all about awareness but anyways much love guys thank you for tuning in and uh and i will see you guys in the next episode thank you so much bye fam